Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles and will join me there, the book of Zechariah chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Ask God to touch us today in a very special way. Amen. I'm going to tell you that the Lord, he has some, God can work anywhere, but God can really work in certain places. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about where God works best, where God works best. So listen closely because you might be standing right in the center of where God works best. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 9. And the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. Amen. I know I'm familiar with this scripture because I've been thinking about this and studying and preparing, but we could just stop right there and that would be enough. He said the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands shall also finish it. I'm thankful God finishes what he begins. And, it sh- and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and see the, whole, see the plummet rather in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. And they shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. I want to talk about where God works best. Where God works best. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. I am confident that perhaps many of us share this common thread that we just wish we had greater talent or greater ability. If I had more, then I could just do more. That's a very common trap. And I I would never oppose someone trying to better themselves or better their serve. But that can be a lie of the enemy and it can be a very damaging, if not damning, trap. That if I just had more, if I had greater things, then I could do greater things. But I believe that God wants us to work with what we have, begin with where we are. We just have to start somewhere. March the 2nd, 1982 was a Tuesday evening. And of course, I have been in talks with our pastor for some time leading up to this. And I expressed my, I expressed my calling of the Lord to the ministry and he confirmed that. And March the 2nd, 1982 was the kickoff. That was my first night to preach. I studied and prayed and fasted. I thought I had enough material for a three-week revival. (laughs) But come to find out, I had enough material for about seven minutes. And then I was out of things to say. Please 
anybody here start praying for those days to return, <laughs> if you will. It was a very simple message from the book of Kings, chapter 18, about Elijah meeting the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It didn't take long to exhaust all that I knew about that story, and the end came a lot quicker than I suspected. But you see, you have to start somewhere. You just have to start somewhere. And I'm thankful that people were willing to believe in and invest in somebody starting somewhere. God, however, if we consider scripture, God has always done great things through the simplest of means. God can just take nothing and he can make not just something, but he can make more than enough out of it. He delivered a nation from bondage with a willing man by the name of Moses and a simple shepherd's staff that was in his hands. He saved a nation with a young boy that had little more than just a sling and a stone, but his heart beat with a divine cause. And he brought that to the table. Is there not a cause? He turned the world upside down with just common men and women. He passed by fishermen mending nets and he admonished them to follow them. He passed by a tax collector and admonished him just to follow him. He just found common everyday individuals. And I'll tell you today that I'm very thankful that God loves the common man because without that kind of love, I'm not sure that I would be here today. God uses the humble to perform great things to his glory. I will tell you that this morning, not just here in this church, but all across our nation and around the world, Humble teachers walked into classrooms to share the word of God with children and young people. They didn't burst through those doors, kick them in and say, I'm here. There was not an announcement, a heralding of their arrival. They walked in with a blanket of humility upon their shoulders and their heart, but they began to share the word of God. And I'm gonna tell you today to be encouraged because you have no idea where that seed's gonna plant or what's gonna become of the word that you planted today. Humble people often open their homes or make themselves available for the homes of someone else to teach a Bible study. They go there by faith, casting their bread upon the water, having no idea when or where it will take root. Humble saints join hands with someone on their job or perhaps in a department store or wherever you may be. You join hands with someone and pray a prayer of faith over their needs. We have no idea what God is about to set in motion. It's doubtful that the Lord will ever trust any of us with a great responsibility until we have proven ourselves faithful over the smaller responsibilities. Matthew 25 and 21 confirms that. Someone once aptly, aptly said, many are willing to be humble individuals doing a great work, but how many great individuals are willing to do humble work? Amen, many, um, many great people are willing to do small things, but I wonder how many great people would be willing to just humble themselves to do the work that God is calling them to do. And so when we consider those that we might call spiritual giants in scripture, they were often just living their lives. They were often just doing what they did every day. When God just stepped in and on the scene and began to move and transform and use them mightily. We could think about Moses for instance. From his very birth, God has his hands on him. This was nothing of Moses' design. 
This was nothing of his wishes or his will. Amen. Providentially by his mother, he was spared, but it was more than just his mother. It was God working with her. Amen. She put him in a basket, set him in the Nile River and set him on his way. But God knew whose path he would cross and God was really sending him in such a strange way right to the house of Pharaoh. He was taken from there in time and sent to a shepherd's field for 40 years, but God knew what he was doing. At the end of that 40 years, God picked him up and sent him right back to the home. He sent him right back to the country where he came from and with a voice this time, not of a young boy raised in the home of Pharaoh and not of the voice of a shepherd. He said, I am here to say, let my people go. And he triumphantly led a nation of people out of bondage. Joseph was minding his own business when God took him on one of the most unbelievable journeys that a man or a woman could walk. But God raised him from the ruins and brought him to be the second in command to give life and to sustain not only his family but others. And of course, we could not fail to mention David again who was just doing what he did every day when God stepped into his life. And before you know it, he went to work one morning. He went to work one morning just a common shepherd. But when he laid down that night, he was far more than a shepherd. There was oil still in his hair, oil on his garment. And there his mind was spinning from the events of that day because God had called Samuel to anoint him to be the next king of Israel and he found him. He wasn't in kingship school. He wasn't training to be a king. He was just training to follow God. He was tuning his heart and playing and writing new songs but God stepped in the middle of nothing. I'm talking about where God works best and if you stand in your spiritual mirror today and you think I can never do anything of God before God because of this or because of that, or because of the other. I just want to remind you that you might be standing right in the middle of where God works best. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God is drawn to those who have a servant's heart. God is drawn to those who are not ashamed. They are willing to do whatever it takes. They just simply say, here am I, send me. One writer said, everybody wants to take the floor, but there are a few that want to sweep the floor. But I'll tell you, if you'll just sweep the floor, you never know where God may just step right in and God just may hook and connect his will to your willingness. Hallelujah and take you to where he needs you to be. Praise God. When we look at things through only the eyes of humanity, it is very difficult to often see the God of the universe involved in things that we may still yet consider insignificant. I'm gonna tell you that I've preached more sermons that I closed my Bible and wonder what just happened than I have closed my Bible and said, wow. Amen and amen. And I'll just go ahead and speak on their behalf. They don't have the mic. And if they want to correct me after church, I'll give them the absolute liberty to do that. 
but I believe that more Sunday school teachers or Sunday school teachers and children ministry workers and youth workers have closed the door of the classroom and wonder what just happened. Then they did close the one door and think, man, I hung it on the moon today. I'm gonna tell you, I challenge the hearts of these young people today. I set the trajectory of God in the minds and the heart of a young man or a young lady, but I'm gonna tell you, it's difficult to see what God sees when we're only looking at it with the eyes of humanity. We may think it was insignificant. I'm not sure if I just blew that 45 or 50 minutes. I'm not sure if I wasted those hours of preparation, but I'm gonna tell you that when you put yourself in God's hand and you plant a seed that is alive, you just can't tell where that seed is gonna come up. You don't know whose life is gonna be blessed. <laughs> you don't know how many lives, plural, are gonna be blessed, so we can't just look at things through the natural eye. 1 Corinthians 1 and 27, the Bible says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. I'll promise you at the end of the day, God is gonna fix it that when it's all said and done, man's not gonna be able to beat their chest and say, look what I did or look what I accomplished, but we just cast our bread <coughs> We spread the word. We announce what God has put on our heart and we have to just fold it all up and say, I'm just gonna trust you, Lord. I don't know where that word went. I don't know who that word was for, but I just wanna thank you, God, for being in our midst. I'm gonna tell you that God can come on the scene. Yes, he can, and he will minister to us right where we are. God has some places where he works best. I may have shared this or not, uh, before. I'm not sure about that. And and, um, I, I, and I don't share things like this a whole lot. Maybe I should. I don't know. But many years ago, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were talking about this. But many years ago, my wife and I were at a general conference. And we were sitting from the stage side. We were sitting over uh, on this in this area in the arena. We were high up on some aluminum risers. And I'm, I'm underlining that for a reason. Those aluminum risers were very noisy. If somebody's walking, there's no way, to, no way to walk up on those risers without not only hearing something, but you could also feel those risers because if you've been on them, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people were there and they weren't wobbly to the point of about to fall, but you could certainly feel them move when people were on them. And there, and there in the end of that service, as the Spirit of the Lord began to move and minister, uh, the power of God began to, to, begin to flow and move in that service and, and uh, we were a long way from the front, a long way from what we might call the altar. We were a long way from there but all of a sudden as my wife and I were standing, we were seated alone actually. There was nobody around us. We were very, very high and um, and so we were sitting there and as we were sitting there, I felt a hand, a physical hand lay on my shoulder and, and uh, we began to pray and I knew somebody was there praying with me but I don't want to sound carnal, <laughs> but can I just be human? 
I remember while I felt the presence of somebody praying with me, I remember thinking, but I didn't hear anybody walking on these risers. And I didn't hear and I didn't feel these risers moving. And, and uh, But nevertheless, the sphere of the Lord was moving. I could hear my wife praying and she could hear me praying. And what I didn't realize in just a few moments when the spirit of, of that prayer lifted, we began to look around and nobody was there but us. And so I looked around and I started telling her about somebody laying their hand on me. And she said, well, somebody had laid their hand on me. I'm going somewhere with this now. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm gonna tell you that God, he showed up that night. He was standing in the midst of whatever we were going through. And he said, I just wanna remind you that I'm here. My point in saying all of that is that we didn't make our way down to the preacher that evening and just say, let me tell you what happened tonight. He may have closed his Bible and gone home and wondered if anything happened. And I believe we were not the only ones, but I can tell you, if we were the only ones, can I tell you that God sent an angel. Amen, God sent someone there to put their hand on our shoulder. I wanna tell you, where God works best is where we sometimes think we're not doing anything, we're not accomplishing anything. We got on, we're sitting on the bottom with our feet hanging over the edge. But I just want to tell you, God said, "I'm going to fix this where no man can glory in my presence. I'm going to fix this where at the end of the day, Amen." Chris Osmond is not going to say, "Well, if it hadn't been for me, it wouldn't have happened today." I'm going to fix this where Jerry Herndon can't say, "Well, if it hadn't been for me, nothing would have happened today." If you're going to say, Lord, I say, God, help us to move out of the way and let your spirit flow. I don't want to measure this with my scales. I don't want to weigh this with my eyes. I want to know, God, that when you call me, you can use me. This is where you work best. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I'm thankful for those incredible experiences. Amen. And what I just share with you is as real as the air you're breathing. Amen. No one could have walked to us. No, we could not. There's no way they could have got there without us hearing it. There's no way we could have got there without us feeling it. And I believe the Lord, it was a setup from the very beginning. Amen. I believe the Lord put us there because he said, I just need to show you that even when you don't know where you are, I know where you are. And when you don't understand what you're walking through, I understand what you're walking through. Amen. When you feel like you're all alone, I just want you to know that I can find you in a crowd of thousands. I want you to know that I can stay into a coliseum and I can step right to your seat. I can put my hand on your shoulder and I can remind you that I am the Lord your God. I want you to know something today. These are places where God works best. These are the places where God works best. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> my, my, my. Mm. I feel an authority in the Holy Ghost today. I feel an authority in the Holy Ghost. There are some very common battlegrounds that we all face. For instance, the Lord have, may have given you a dream that you think is yet unfulfilled. 
Or maybe you look at others, you see what God is doing in their life, you see how God is using them, and you measure how much further down the road they are, or you think they are, than you. Or maybe the enemy would try to make you feel what you're doing is insignificant, really doesn't weigh a lot in the full scheme of things. Perhaps you, like many others, have doubters in your own life that would try to hold you down and keep you back. Amen, if that's you, please hear me today. You are not standing alone. If we look at the substance of our text, this is what we find. We find people that are discouraged. They are certainly feeling defeated. Yet God was about to do something miraculous in their presence. The heart of a pagan king was turned to God or turned by God. And the people of God were commissioned to return to their homeland and rebuild. It was a small thing. And I will tell you that it was an humble thing but it had to begin somewhere. Yet God sent Zechariah to show them that this small thing, this small step, is gonna be the next step in your history. Please don't look with disdain upon small things because this is exactly where God does his best work. It's important to know that God doesn't just start something. That's why I wanted to underline that when we read our text but God said the hand, you see that hand that began this? That same hand is gonna be present when it's done. Amen, we're gonna see that in scripture because God finishes what he starts. God assured Zerubbabel that, that he would complete the rebuilding of the temple and the people would rejoice at what God had done through them. And so if we look back at the previous chapter, we read something very significant. If we look at Zechariah chapter four, Verse number seven, the Bible says this, that, that Zerubbabel shall bring forth the headstone. Amen, that Zerubbabel shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. I think that's very significant because he said the hand that started this will be the hand that finishes this. Amen. And so now we see Zerubbabel he said he's going to bring forth the headstone or the cornerstone. Amen. The headstone is also known as the capstone. The capstone is the last stone to be placed in the building. And then the scripture says that he would shout or that they would shout collectively grace, grace unto it. Or in other words, if we were to say it this way, God bless it. God bless it. <laughs> Amen. So here he comes. The man that laid the footer, the man that laid the foundation, as God said he would, he's now walking and he comes to the center of the stage with the capstone and he sets the capstone down and he says, God bless it, God bless it. Amen, this is very much the same thing that was happening when the foundation of the temple was laid in Ezra chapter three and verse number 10. In Zechariah four and nine, God gave a clear promise that Zerubbabel is going to be the one that will complete the temple. The promise of completion is also connected and tied again into the New Testament when Paul said to the Philippian church, he that which hath begun a work in you will perform it. God has not just called you. Amen, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not trying to think or even pretend that I understand 
everything about God's calling. But I'm gonna tell you that God has stepped into my life and he has given me a word about what he would do and how he was going to use me and my wife or my wife and I perhaps. And then God just seems like steps out. Amen, he just kind of goes silent. He just goes quiet. Now he seems like to be very comfortable doing things like that. When I'd much rather him just kind of hang around, pull up a chair. Can we talk about this a little more in the morning? Can we meet next Monday and go over a few more details? But that's not how God works. God can just step into our life. He can speak something into our life and then just kind of step back into the shadows. And it's there that we've got to have what was preached to us in the first service this morning. We've got to have the fortitude to just hold on to that word and keep on building. Hold on to that word and keep hammering. Hold on to that word and keep serving. Amen. Keep serving. Your service is not lost to God. Amen. The energy, the effort, the, the, everything that you're expending is not going into the wind. It's not being vaporized. He that began a good work in you is able to perform in the book of First Chronicles 28 and 20, David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God, even my God, he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. He said, there are gonna be days you may get discouraged. There are gonna be days you're gonna think you can't get one in to meet the next. There are days that you think think you have wasted days you think you've done nothing but spin your wheels but he said Solomon just remember amen that God is going to stay with you until he helps you complete until he helps you complete amen what he has called you to do oh my 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 I feel like God is ministering to somebody here today to some of the Jews the project that Zerubbabel was working on was just a small thing it was a small thing to them because they were comparing that to Solomon's temple. They were trying to compare apples and oranges. It wasn't a fair playing field. But, but, uh, but we got to see what God is doing through the eyes, through his eyes. Amen. I got to see what the Lord is looking at. I need him to let me see what he sees, so to speak, not just the eyes of the people of the world. I can't weigh it with my own scales. I can't measure it by your measuring stick. Amen, we can't measure ourselves. The Bible says that they that measure themselves among themselves are not wise. I can't try to have the ministry of someone else. I can't have the, I can't have the talent or the ability of someone else. I just have to say, Lord, use me. Use me, me, my hiccups, and, and use me. And, and, and my quirks and use me, amen, and God will use you. He will use me, hallelujah. I don't wanna weigh in somebody else's scale. I don't wanna measure with somebody else's measuring rod, amen. I just say, Lord, I know that sometimes in the smallest of things, that's where you work best. We might look at an acorn and not think much about it, but God sees through the shell of that acorn and he knows what ability is there. It's the ability of, of a tree, amen, it's not just 
just the ability of a tree to sustain itself, but it's the ability of a tree that can withstand storms. It's a tree that can cast shadows. It's a tree that one day may hold a tire swing and be the joy of a young boy or a young girl. We look at it and we see it's nothing. It's little more than just something a hog would feed on, but God said, but in it is everything that it will not only need today, but in it is everything it will ever need in its lifetime. Hallelujah. Year after year after year, we look around us and all around this part of Florida, we can see harvest of various kinds that are planted, whether it's corn or peanuts or watermelon or whatever it may be. But I'm gonna tell you those great harvests that come in, those great harvests that are hauled to the market, it all started with a seed. It all started with something that was so simple and so ordinary. But the Bible said, unless that seed falls to the ground and dies, amen, there's gotta be some dying going on. There's gotta be some some of us that die out and say, God, I can't do it within myself and I'm gonna die out to you and let you bring forth. Amen, amen. When we think about Jesus Christ, our minds are filled with images of victory and triumph. We think about healings and miracles and signs and wonders, the breaking of the bread, the raising of the dead and and, and the healing of blinded eyes and deaf ears. However, that's not how he's always portrayed. That's certainly not how he was introduced by the prophets. Isaiah portrays him in 11 and one. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Amen, I'm gonna tell you. Amen, that's a long way from a triumphal entry. That's a long way from someone that could do the miracles that Jesus Jesus could do. Amen. Isaiah wasn't being disrespectful, but he said, this is how I see it coming. Amen. There's just going to come a little rod, just a little shoot out of the stem of Jesse, out of the seed of Jesse, and you trace it. Amen. Throughout your Bible, and you'll find, amen, from the seed of Jesse, here and there and there and there, all the way to the book of Matthew chapter 1, and now is the fulfillment of Isaiah 11 and 1 in that little old manger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, innocent and mild in that little old setting. It didn't seem like much, but I'm gonna tell you, that was right where God could work best. It was no heralding. There was no sounds or trumpets. Amen, just a few that come and gather, but that is where God does his best work. Can I tell you this morning, right in your home, right in your life, when you think when you, think you are doing nothing, I wanna remind you that you may be right in the heart of where God does his best work. If we take a glance at the New Testament church in its embryonic state, we might not have a lot of hope. 120 men and women who gathered staggering from the events of the crucifixion. Their hopes had been shattered and their dreams had come unhinged but they just wouldn't take no for an answer. And so by faith, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and they had enough wherewithal to be obedient to the words that said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Don't you think somewhere that that 120 had some skeptical friends and some cynical friends and said, are you going again? You mean to tell me, weren't you there? Didn't you see? 
Haven't you heard? But somehow they brushed aside and they walked through and they waded through pools of cynicism and they came, amen. And so it might not look much, but I'm gonna tell you that just like it said he would, the power of God fell and cloven tongues set down upon them like as a fire. Hallelujah, the spirit of God began to move. The winds of Pentecost began to blow and that same 120 has burgeoned into a church that reaches around the world. Are you hearing me today? it didn't look like much but this was right where God was going to do his best work it didn't seem like a lot but this was right where God was going to work Bible history is filled with story after story of God using small things when God wanted to set the plan of salvation into motion he started with a little boy named Isaac in Genesis 21 When he wanted to overthrow Egypt, as I said earlier, he used a baby named Moses. When he wanted to deliver his people, he used a young boy named David. When he wanted to feed 5,000, he used the lunch of a lad. God can take nothing because that's where he works best. The message should be clear, and I think it should remain clear. This is what Zechariah said. Don't despise the day. Of small things. Because see, if you don't really walk through a few small things, you'll never really appreciate when God does bless you. I mean, if you just start out at the top, amen, I could really meander right here a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of wickedness, evil coming up in me. I'm trying to push it back. It doesn't hurt us to struggle sometimes. It doesn't hurt young people to come up through the ranks. It doesn't. It puts something in you. Amen. And um, (laughs) I know what it's like not to drive a dependable car. I know what it's like to get to work. That don't necessarily mean you're getting home from work. I'm not talking about every now and then. Daily prayer. Lord, help me get there. And Lord, help me get home. Amen. Brother Chris Osborne started sharing that story about the young man proposing to the young lady. Said she was gainfully employed. I'm sorry. I'm confessing. I leaned over to my wife. I said, I was gainfully employed when you met me. I was bagging groceries at Winn-Dixie's, knocking it down, (laughs) knocking it down. (laughs) Driving the 71 Pinto that burned more oil than it did gas. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) But I'm glad I've been there because it helps me appreciate the blessings that God brings in our life. Amen. I'll just move on. I feel like you're getting uncomfortable. But don't despise the day of small things. Small things will make you greatly appreciate what God gives you and what God gives us and blesses us with. This is often where God does his best work. God is glorified in small things and God can take little things and allow them to accomplish much. But here's the key. God and man must work together to accomplish these great things. 
Philippians 2 and 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so God has all kind of plans, but he's got to have somebody that will buy in. In, in our text, we see people are encouraged as they see Zerubbabel on the job. And he's standing there with that plummet, as the King James Version says. An, another word for that, more descriptive, is a plumb line in his hand, making sure that the walls are straight. I think it was a plumb bob, probably, Brother Kevin. That plumb bob that kept the walls straight, that kept everything lined up, it was that Zerubbabel was there. We're going to make sure this is right. And while Zerubbabel was working, the Bible talks about the eyes of the Lord watching over his people while they worked. It was God monitoring not just them, but the nations of the world. The phrase in Zechariah 4.10 says those seven in Zechariah 4.10 refers, refers back to Zechariah 3 and 9, the eyes of the Lord. It is referring to his, to his omniscience. I mean, God has got this. He's, he's got this. He's covering this. That all-knowing God, he was watching out for their well-being. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 confirms this. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Amen. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God's eyes are just watching. Watching. He was looking over that faithful one with a plummet in his hand, looking for someone that could catch the vision Someone, as I mentioned just a moment ago, that could really say, I'm in. I'm in. Charles Elliott had a contract to build a suspension bridge over the Niagara River, but there was a problem. The problem was he had no way to stretch the first cable from one bank to the other bank. One had to go from the shore of Canada to the shore of the United States. But it was then that he had this idea that if a kite carrying a cord could be flown across the river, the cord then could be tied to a larger rope, to a larger rope, and eventually to a cable. And so he announced a flight, a kite flying contest, and a young man named Homan Walsh responded. After a couple of attempts, he succeeded in flying his kite to the opposite side of the shore. It was a small thing, and maybe some gathered not in faith, but maybe some gathered in cynicism. This guy's going to build a bridge with a kite. We got to come. Lawn chairs, umbrellas. We got to see this. When he failed the first time, they must have sneered. But when they caught that cable the second time, there was a sobriety that had to come across the audience because they realized now we're linked. It's small and insignificant. But this man's wild idea is actually what allowed that suspension bridge to be built. A simple string became a vital link that set in motion the very structure for the bridge to be built or the possibility. It wasn't much in the beginning, but you see, this is where God works best. As in the case of many, many things, when we see what we have today, that's not how it started out. Flights can take us around the world in record time and can be sustained for hours and hours and hours when the first flight only lasted 12 seconds. And so before you laugh, just realize it has to start somewhere, somewhere. I'll ask our musicians to come.
Looking back at our text, and I want to, with the help of the Lord now, bring this full circle. I don't, I don't want to just run down one narrow path, but let's come together. Zechariah 4 and 11, the Bible says, Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And then in verse 12, he essentially asked the same question again. I answered again and said unto him, What are these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest not what these be? And I said, No. No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now watch this. It's here that God calls Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the governor. He calls them the two anointed ones to stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These two are anointed and if I may say they are anointed and appointed of God. They have com been commissioned to stand by him. One was anointed and appointed of God to, to monitor the spiritual world. And one was anointed and appointed of God to watch over the civil world. Amen. I want to tell you something today. That if God would do that then, he does that now. And I want you to know while we say that our world's in a mess. And our world is in chaos. And I would say amen and Amen. But before you go home and bite your fingernails off to the first knuckle, let me remind you of something. That God has some anointed and appointed eyes to govern the spiritual world. And God has some anointed and appointed eyes to govern the civil world. Amen. We are not in this thing alone. As the two olive trees, Joshua and Zerubbabel, were empowered by God to keep the light of Israel burning Amen. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit all throughout Scripture. And so we consider that prophets and priests and kings were anointed with oil. This holy anointed oil was not just prepared by anyone or it was not just prepared for anyone but the priest. Amen. Or it was not to be used for any other purpose. It was not, you can't take the anointing oil and use that for something else. You got to take the anointing oil and use it for its only purpose. It was to be used for no other purpose than to anoint God's servants. And so if God promises us the power of his spirit, then I ask you, how can we fail? If God says, I'll go with you, then how can it not work? If God says, I'll go with you all the way, then how can we not win? I'll ask you to stand with me. And so let's remember Joshua. And let's remember Zerubbabel. Men who, who stood as encouragements to all of those and to all of us who seek to serve the Lord in any capacity today. So I just want to remind you that there's no small place to minister when you're talking about the ministering of the Word of God. There's no small place because you don't know where you're casting that seed. And if only one person shows up Give it everything you have. Give it everything you have. Your very best. Your very best. There's no small ministries. There's not large ministries and medium-sized ministries and small ministries. 
But I'm going to tell you that when we get to heaven, there's going to be no dividing lines, no dividing pens. No, no, no. God is going to use and reward everybody. Amen. For what they have done. If you will work where God has called you to work, if He will empower you right there, He will work with you there. What you see with your eyes, I'm just going to tell you one last time, it may seem insignificant to you, but don't measure that by your eyes. We need to see what God is seeing. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Amen. You know, you, you mentioned Brother Pugh this morning. It just has my mind churning here, Brother J.T. Pugh. I heard him preaching one time, and he shared when he was a single young man trying to get started in the ministry and had nothing. He had no family. And he said that God promised him a family. And God gave him a dream. And in that dream, he saw the woman that would be his wife. And he saw children. But it was a long time between the vision that God gave him and that actually coming to pass. Now, as awkward as this may sound to some of you, You see, God can speak something in our lives and we just get so busy living life that we forget sometimes some of the details of what really the Lord has said. And and we got it in the back of our mind and in time, time went on and, and in time, Brother Pugh did meet a young lady and she did agree to take his hand in marriage and they became husband and wife and they did have children. We're so caught up and wrapped up in ministry and planting and building a church and doing a great work in the city where God had called them. And he said one Easter Sunday morning, he went out, started up the car to get it warmed up and he backed it out of the driveway and he had a camera and he knew in a little bit his wife and the children would be coming out. And so when they came out, he said, hold it right there. I want to take a picture of you. I want to take a picture. This is Easter Sunday. And he said, when I lifted that camera up, In that lens, when all the world around him was all closed out, he saw in that lens the very vision of that lady standing, holding a baby in her arms. There it was. There it was. Amen. I'm going to tell you that if God tells you something, no matter how far away it may seem today, stay faithful to him because you may be standing at the very center of where God does his best work. Amen. Maybe God is still trying to push something in your spirit. And maybe he's trying to still pull something out of your flesh. Don't get frustrated in the process. He knows what he's doing. Oh, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. I wonder if around this building we can lift our hands. Amen. Let the Spirit of God touch us today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.